Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman. And over the years, after I've done interviews for Esquire, many subjects have happily commented that it felt like therapy. But there's been a strange twist of events ever since I started this podcast. Sometimes it feels like I'm in therapy. My guests have found solutions to a lot of life's problems, and they feel compelled to pass them on. So, when I meet marketing guru Seth Godin, I can ask him about the way I was educated not to self-promote and how my past might be hurting me in this age of self-promotion. When I meet Shark Tank star Damon John, I can ask what I need to do to think more like an entrepreneur. When I meet memory coach Jim Quick, I can learn how to feel better about myself by remembering the names of everyone I meet. When I meet Kobe Bryant, I come away with new strategies on how to deal with fear. But this episode, ho-ho, takes the journey to a whole new level. We're going into the office of an actual food therapist, Dr. Lara Pence in Dallas, Texas. Full disclosure, I never thought I'd enter the office of a food therapist. In fact, I never even knew there were food therapists. Not until I met Joe DeSena. Joe is the founder and CEO of Spartan, which runs obstacle races around the world. All you need to know about Joe is that one of his favorite obstacle races is called the Death Race. That's because it has no finish line. goes on for days until Joe decides the race is over. You'd be amazed how many people actually line up to get into this. But Spartan also has races that are, how shall I say this, a little more accessible to the masses. I got started on the Spartan Sprints, which go three to five miles. You go over eight-foot walls, climb ropes, walk with jugs, hoist heavy sacks with ropes. You get the idea. I've done it at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles and AT&T Stadium in Arlington, home of the Dallas Cowboys. When I got started with Joe, he suggested that I change the way I live the rest of my life. Well, suggested is one way to say it. He actually knocked on the door of my hotel room at four in the morning to get me to do burpees. He got me to do push-ups in the aisles of airplanes. And he wanted me to clean out my body by eating only vegetables and fruits. Now look, I'm very thankful to Joe. In fact, I love the guy. He may have saved my life. I've lost 20 pounds since I've met him and I'm just getting started. The problem is that Joe's approach is, how can I say this? A tad extreme? The wrestling coach at Cornell was a little more direct when he said, make no mistake about it, Joe is absolutely crazy. All this should give you an indication that Joe and I have gotten into a lot of arguments along the way, which led us to the couch in the office of Dr. Lara Pence, the food therapist in Dallas. When Joe and I walked in to discuss our differences, we both thought it was the other guy who needed the therapist. 
By the time we finished, we were fighting over her. She's my therapist. No, she's my therapist. After our session, Dr. Lara and her husband ran the Spartan Sprint with me. And after the sprint, with Joe gone, I sat down with Dr. Lara to reassess and go to a very important place, a deep dive into my love for ice cream and probably yours too. You're going to learn something here. I certainly did. want to thank my sponsors, ZipRecruiter and Squarespace, for bringing these takeaways to you. Here we go with Dr. Lara. Welcome to Big Questions, Dr. Lara. Hello. We spent the last two days getting to know each other in a very deep way, and I never had a therapist before. It's nice to be the first. And it's great to have you as the first. (laughs) And I'm going to just get straight to what most people are going to be interested in, because you deal with food. Correct. And I've just lost 20 pounds. Okay. Uh, You know that I've gotten involved with Spartan Races. Right. And it's... CEO and founder Joe DeSena is taking me under his wing to try and change my life for the better. Sure. So he's got me doing exercises at four in the morning. He's got me eating fruits and vegetables. And we're really coming to a place where I'm trying to understand why. Why for the last 20 years, when I know what's good to eat and what's not good to eat, I've always seem to make the wrong decisions because I just want to pleasure myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this common? I mean, you deal with people who are have issues with eating. Sure. Yeah, it is common. It's very common. Um, I mean, we, you know, we as a society are attached to a lot of different things uh, as a vehicle to fill up voids in our life or numb certain feelings. Um, And food is one of those things that we can get attached to in a way that becomes unhealthy, um, even sometimes moves into the arena of destruction, self-destruction. So when I, I love ice cream. Sure. And not only do I love ice cream, but ice cream has been connected to some of the best moments of my life. Ah. Like not only back in childhood, but uh, I spent a week with Muhammad Ali, and I tell a long story about it, and it ends with us at the kitchen table eating a bowl of ice cream. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you see that my childhood hero was even more heroic to me at a time where he had Parkinson's disease and we're just sitting and eating a bowl of ice cream together. And I had a great moment with Mikhail Gorbachev and ice cream. And so these moments with ice cream are representative of connections I've made in my life. There you go. And it seems to me that every time I go in to get ice cream, I am reliving those connections. Sure. And reliving all those good moments. Sure. Maybe trying to recreate that feeling. Even without knowing it. I'm just walking yep. down the street and I see the ice cream place. Yep. 
And it's good things are going to come. Sure. Because they have in the past. <laughs> but yesterday, after we had this long conversation, I walked by an ice cream place uh -huh. and I saw a family of four out in front. And it was startling to me. Mm -hmm. They were all overweight. Okay. And they were all eating their ice cream with big smiles on their faces. Sure. They were so happy. Sure. And I, I knew that it, what they were eating was not the best thing for them, not even maybe a good thing for them. Okay. And yet I saw the happiness. Sure. And I was filled with conflict. Ah, oh, say more about the conflict. Well, I was looking at their happiness and thinking, I want to be that happy. <laughs> and eating ice cream is going to make me that happy. Gotcha. And I'm telling myself, no, you're not allowed to have ice cream anymore. Well, here's where, here's where people need to pause. You just had that thought, I want the ice cream. The ice cream's going to make me happy. What I think what most people don't realize is it's not the ice cream that makes you happy. It's, for some people, the memory that gets activated when you're eating the ice cream that makes you happy. Like if you had a different vehicle to, to activate that memory, you could be equally as happy as when you're licking the mint chocolate chip, right? But the mint chocolate chip is such a strong ingrained association to that memory that it feels like possibly the only vehicle. And sometimes we do this unconsciously. We don't even know that it's activating memory systems for us or that it's activating feelings for us. We're just doing it because, quote unquote, it tastes good and we want it. Um, but there can be, and it's not for everything. I mean, you can go out and have an ice cream cone and really all it means is you're having an ice cream cone. But... Um, you know, when you move into the arena of where you're looking for it, either as a way to numb or reconnect with a feeling, that's when you really want to pause and pay attention. I mean, that's when you really sort of want to get into, use the word deep dive, the deep dive with the ice cream. Like, what does it mean for me? What does it represent? What am I looking for right now that it feels like this is going to give me? You know, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I don't usually tell. It's really tragic. Uh, and it also relates to ice cream. Okay. Uh, years ago, we had family friends, and I still don't know the full story, uh, but the youngest boy was in high school, mm -hmm. and I think he got involved with a girl who the parents did not want him to be involved with. I, I, I really don't know the story, mm -hmm. uh, but what I do know is that uh, there were arguments and that the, the boy shot and killed his mom and dad. Wow. Uh, and basically left them in their bedroom Mm. And uh, it wasn't until days later where the, the bodies were, were found. Wow. And it was such a terrible time and for, for everybody. because uh, And I can remember my mom, who, when you talk about making connections, which is what I do through interviewing, right. uh, when she heard about this, her first thought was to run to the jail to try to help the boy mm -hmm. because she sensed that there was 
good in the boy. She didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's when I think back on my mom, that's one of the ways I remember her. Mm. And uh, the, the boy had to go to jail. And I can remember eating pints of ice cream after this. Mm. And in fact, it was the same ice cream that Joe DeSena, the guy who runs Spartan, I, I know he loves it. It's vanilla Swiss almond by Hagen Dazs. And I literally would eat pints of ice cream for days after this happened. Hmm. And I guess you're telling me I was numbing myself? You could have been. It's. I mean, it sounds like that was tragic, and I can only imagine there was sadness and grief and confusion. Um, and... Yeah, it could have absolutely been a vehicle to numb. And I'm so I'm trying to see if that ice cream, right? Uh, how how that ice cream was different from the ice cream I had with Muhammad Ali, the ice cream I had with Mikhail Gorbachev, which were triumphant ice creams, or sure. the ice creams I can remember taking my the ice cream parlors that I can remember taking my kids to. Sure. Or the ice cream that I had in the street when I was a kid and the Jolly Tim truck was ringing its distinctive bells. Right. And everybody ran out for it. Right. A good humor man. Right. I don't even know if they have that anymore. Yeah. But it was ice cream. And yeah. And it was time to move. Right. So I'm really trying to understand like my the way I look at ice cream, yeah. Because Joe has basically said, "Look, if you want to live like a long life and you want to get healthy, you, you got to watch your diet and you got to exercise." Sure. He's just trying to beat that into me. <laughs> so he's pushed me the most extreme place: only raw fruits and vegetables, which I've been doing for a month now. Wow. Lost twenty pounds. Okay. Feel great. Right. I love Joe. Yeah. And yet, I walk by the ice cream place and I see that family of four. Yeah. Knowing they're overweight, knowing it's not good for them. I see the smiles on their faces. Sure. And I know in that moment they are connecting Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe only ice cream can make people connect. Or are you saying that that's not true? Maybe. Well, yeah, I don't know that it is. I think that we um, we can have these moments of connection or disconnection. I'll use the tragic event that happened maybe as as the as the other end of that. You know that we certainly can can disconnect or connect around the vehicle of food, just like we can around the vehicle of beer or liquor. You know, imagine, I'm sure that there are people out there that have memories similarly to you do about like the celebration with ice cream, but for them it's with an old fashioned, right? But then you also know that there are people that are sitting in their house on their couch, lonely, devastated, grieving, angry, using whiskey in a much different way, right? So the key is it's actually, we don't want to vilify the the alcohol or we don't want to vilify the ice cream because it's just ice cream. Like, what did the ice cream ever do to you? (laughs) (laughs) It just made me feel happy. Right. But I'm guessing if you you really dig that 
it maybe wasn't the ice cream that created those happy memories, that the happy memories, like it wasn't the truck that made you happy. It might've been the playing with the kids, the connecting, that sort of energy that happens in a neighborhood when the ice cream truck comes And by. all the kids come all running out. All the kids out. swarm around. It's right. like community and family and all of that. And yes, sometimes the vehicle, and especially in our society, is food. But what's really key is understanding the emotion underneath. Like what is getting activated? Connection, family, community, joy, celebration. Or you have the other end, grief, anger, sadness. Um, So often we look to the specific thing and we vilify that. But I think it's really key to think about like what are the emotions that are being activated when we're eating that? Even just seeing that family of four you felt happy for them. Right? I did. I, I felt overjoyed for them and sad at the same time. Okay. Because I knew in some way they made the wrong choice in terms of taking care of their bodies. Maybe. But here's what I think we need to be super, super careful of is, is seeing people who are of a particular size, right, eating a particular food, and assuming that the choice they're making in that moment is bad because of what we're seeing. We don't see what happens behind closed doors. You know that. You know, I mean, we don't we don't know what else they could have eaten all day that might have not been a good choice, but actually that ice cream was a great choice for them in that moment because it's what they wanted and they wanted to connect. But the rest of the day, maybe they made really unhealthy choices or weren't mindful at all in the way that they were eating. We often just make assumptions when we see people doing things that we have judgments about for our own reasons or we have opinions about for where we are in our own place. So, but I think that the conflict that you came to is sort of interesting, right? Sort of this dynamic of like knowing that emotionally for them, it was bringing them joy and maybe connecting them, but also this other piece of what is that doing to their body? And I wasn't judging them. Sure. In fact, I was feeling for them. Yeah, it sounds like it. Empathy. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you because you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the way that we should all look at ice cream? Yeah. So that we can feel good. You use the word ownership, which I didn't quite understand. Yeah. Because uh, when I think of ownership, I think of, okay, I buy the car, I own the car. Right. <laughs> but when you, a, a therapist uses the word ownership, yeah. they use it, is it the same way or is it a different way? Well, I think ownership to me in some ways, has a mindful component, right? So mindfulness is this use, it's this word that's used all the time right now. And people often, when they think of mindfulness, they think of yoga mats and they think of patchouli and incense and candles. Really, in its most simplest form, mindfulness is just paying attention, right? And so you can be mindful throughout the day without a yoga mat and without candles Um, It's just about paying attention. How am I feeling right now? What is my intention with what I'm moving forward or moving towards? Um, And when you are paying attention and are mindful, you can have greater ownership of how you're feeling and how you're behaving and how you're engaging with the world. So, But what does that mean, having ownership over how I'm behaving? Well, I think it means knowing that it's a part of, of your story in the present. Um, so for example, right, let me give you an example. If, um, if right, if let's say, um, let's say I finished the Spartan run, right, which I just did. And afterwards, you know, I'm super excited and I'm celebrating and I think to myself, 
Like, man, I would just love a milkshake right now. Is that how you were feeling? Well, not a milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) But I would go for one right now for sure. Um, But let's say that's how I was feeling. Like, I am just craving a milkshake right now, okay? So, but I'm craving it because I feel actually tired, but I also want to celebrate. Oh, but man, am I hot and that cool, creamy is just going to feel really good for me, okay? So if I know all those things, it's because I'm paying attention. It's because I'm being mindful. Ownership to me is about like, I would like a milkshake. I want to own that. Like, it's just a part of where I am in the present right now. It's really not sort of this enormous concept. It's basically just acknowledging and being honest and integrity with the space that you're okay, in. Okay, so it's not like the ice cream is luring me in because I'm making this decision. Uh-huh. Okay, I understand what this ice cream's about. Right. So here's, here. yes, here's, I think you make a really good point. Ownership is about like taking, um, taking the self, right, and bringing it into the present as opposed to the ice cream. I'm not having the ice cream because the ice cream makes me want the ice cream. I'm having the ice cream because I want the ice cream. We've talked before about choice, that we all can, we all have choices to make right? We make choices about what we put on the plate. We make choices about our career. We make choices about our relationship. If I choose to be in a relationship with somebody, let's say this person is not nice. Let's say they're not nice to me. I have to take ownership, being paying attention and being in the present and knowing that I am choosing to be in that relationship. And it could be for lots of different reasons, but it's about sort of understanding that I have a role in my choices that's my ownership of the choices. It's about understanding what my role is in what I want right now and how I want to engage. And I think often people are afraid of taking ownership, but actually taking ownership is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Because if you own that you're making a certain choice, then you have much more power to make a different choice if you're interested in making a different choice. If I blame the ice cream for being in front of me when I'm sitting in the couch and watching Netflix, then like what self-agency do I have to change that behavior if I want to, if I'm blaming the ice cream? But if I acknowledge that like the ice cream is in front of me because I'm choosing for it to be in front of me. Yeah, I paid for it. Right, then I have a much different self-agency about that. But we look to these other things as, as... that's why it's like we don't want to vilify the ice cream. I mean, we don't want to vilify ourselves either because we don't want to shame ourselves. We just want to know what our intention is and be honest about it. Why is it that when I watch people eat, often mm-hmm. I just see them just putting one fork of food into their mouth after? It almost seems like they're not even looking at the food. Sure. Why is that? Why are people doing that, or why do these? Yeah, you know see? what? In fact, somebody told me a story about this this guy who, for years, won the hot dog eating contest yeah. in Brooklyn. His name is Rocky, like Japanese guy, and they had a competition between Rocky and a bear. Okay. To see who could scarf down the most hot dogs in a minute. Rocky's like a machine. Yeah. But when they got the bear in there, I apparently I didn't see this. I just heard about it. They had like two different boxes where Rocky was in one, so the bear's only seeing the, the hot dogs. This this bear 
just buried Rocky. Mm-hmm. He he was just throwing hot dog after hot dog. Sure. Why is it that we or a lot of people eat like that? And maybe I'm in that same category. Well, I think we we as a society in so many ways are attached to the go, go, go. I mean, we're attached to the do, 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 do. And we do not pause. We have a difficult time slowing down. Um, we are often attached to productivity and we are attached to exhaustion. I don't know if you've ever been in part of a conversation like this, but I certainly have, where one person might come to the table and say, I am so tired. And the other person says like, oh, you think you're tired? Let me tell you about my day. They get into this comparative <laughs> suffering around who's the most tired, yeah. as if it's like a badge Who or needs a the most ice cream? Right, exactly. So we are, we are, we as a society have just sped up. I mean, we, and we really have a difficult time slowing down. So, and that applies to when we're at the table. You know, a lot of people even say like, I don't have time to eat. Like who has time for that? Um, we just, we don't pause. We don't slow down. I think part of the reason we don't slow down is because we're not very good at getting in touch with ourselves. We don't really like to sit with our feelings. Um, And it's a lot easier to just keep going and push onward and do, do, do instead of be. Um, We're just not very good at it as a society. We have to slow down a little bit and take a pause and sort of pull back. So here's another situation. And I noticed this about myself and maybe I'm being a lot more mindful because these scenes are appearing before me and I'm not overlooking them. Okay. But I'm sitting at a Chinese restaurant and in New York, they bring noodles and duck sauce. Mm-hmm. That's how they start the meal. And I'm sitting with somebody across from me. We start talking and it's a very communal thing to be reaching in to to grab the noodles, because two people now are grabbing from the noodles and dipping them in the duck sauce. Okay. So the conversation is moving Uh along with that dipping and eating. Now, what always happens is the noodles run out first. And so now the waiter notices that and brings over a new bowl of noodles. Okay. And so we, and certainly I am grabbing for the noodles and dipping them, and now the duck sauce has run out. Mm-hmm. And so now the waiter brings over another duck sauce, but there's only half the noodles. And I, I can't, it's like everything is off balance. Mm-hmm. And I'm keep, I keep going for the noodles and going for the noodles. And I may have like five bowls of noodles before. I don't even, I'm like the bear. Ah. I'm like the bear in that, in that scenario. And I don't even stop until... They bring the next course and the noodles are pushed away. Yeah. Like, why does it happen? Mindfulness, it could be anxiety. I mean, often when we're in social situations, we get worried oh, about things. No, there's, there's no worry here because I'm across the table from somebody in the family that I love and everything is fine. So it's just I'm happy to habit. see him. I am happy to see him. He is happy to see me. Yeah. There's no negative energy. Okay, let me turn the question back on you. Why do you have self-judgment about that? What is wrong about that? 
Because I can gain 20 pounds eating noodles. That's <laughs> are they the, are I mean, they the crunchy if, kind? Or yeah, are they these the, are crunchy oh, noodles the crunchy okay. with the duck uh-huh. sauce. And uh-huh. I, if they didn't bring the next course, right. I could be there for five hours just okay. going through the same routine. Okay, so question. Because you know why? The conversation's good. Yeah. And so I'm involved in the conversation and the story's being told. Gotcha. And now I'm I'm just reaching. Right, and you don't even almost, know it. Almost just... We're pushing the story ahead. Like, that's great. Tell me right. something more. Right. And I don't really know how to combat that outside of having Joe come in and saying, okay, pal, raw fruits and vegetables right. for you. Right. No more noodles. No more duck sauce. No more nothing. Right. So I guess I would say two things. I'll go back to mindfulness. I'll go back to just, you know, what would it be like to just put your hands in your lap? What would it be like to pause for a minute, ask yourself, do I really want another noodle? What's coming up next? The answer might be yes, I'd really like to have another noodle, but I also would fully like to enjoy my meal. And I'm if I'm going to get too full before my meal comes, and maybe I'm just going to hold back for a little bit. So part of me thinks about, again, really about mindfulness, just paying attention, being in the moment, being present. But the other part that comes up for me is boundaries. What would it be like to tell your server, no, thank you, we're good? Yeah, it, it, that's that's a question. Can I take right. one noodle, dip it into the duck sauce. And not have another. And taste it and saying, okay. Yeah. Because the conversation is going to be great anyway. Right. I, you know, I I admire people that they're sitting across from me at the table and maybe the chips and the guacamole are served. And this has not happened in the last 30 days because Joe will only allow me to eat fruits and vegetables. But before that, I would always grab for the chip, mm-hmm. go to the guac, and same thing. Yeah. Chips are going to run out, new, <laughs> new bowl is going to come. And I'm occasionally, I'll see somebody cross, uh, sitting across from me, and they won't go for the chip. They won't have one. They won't have one. See, I don't envy that person. You don't. I don't envy that person. I don't envy that person. Well, to each his own, right? If you're going to have a chip, you're going to have a chip. But to me, it's not, I don't think it's good for us as a society, for me as an individual. And since I'm your therapist, I'm now going to say maybe for you (laughs) to work in that all or nothing mind frame. This is why you're my therapist. Right, right. I've either got to. I've either got to have none and it can't be on the table, or if I start eating them, screw it. I'm going to have six bowls of chips or I'm going to have six bowls of crunchy noodles. I don't like that all or nothing mentality. I think that really gets us in trouble. I think we can learn balance. I think that we can teach ourselves and it takes a little bit of rewiring of the brain. It really does. It takes practice, right? But I think we can absolutely teach ourselves to have some of the crunchy noodles or to have some of the chips and then to check in and say, you know what, I'd like to hold off because I'd really like to enjoy my dinner. And those chips are delicious, but I think I've had enough. Um, I think that we are absolutely capable of that. Um, It's often just about balance and checking in. This is actually sort of rewiring yourself so that when you go in and sit down, you know, after that third chip, done. Sure. Yeah, I've never gone into a meal thinking that way. Sure. I've always gone into the meal. And look, this brings us to another issue where you're a kid and your grandma puts the food in front of you and have more. Uh Have another. Right. Have another. Yes. And 
it's the bad grandson who refuses. Sure. It's the bad grandson who's pushing away her grandmother's love. Right. His grandmother's love. Right. I don't know how much of that has been wired in the back. You call that a backpack. It's in your backpack. That's in my backpack. Yep. It's also in my backpack to hear, uh, clean your plate. Yeah. Oh, my husband licks the plate. (laughs) He's over in the corner there. There's Carrie, man. He's laughing now. He licks the plate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Time for a word from our sponsors. So much about changing the way we eat revolves around pausing. Pausing to ask ourselves questions. Do I really need to eat that? Kind of reminds me of one of my favorite commercials when I was a kid. It's for Alka-Seltzer. It was this heavy-set guy sitting on the side of his bed the morning after a meal, saying over and over again, I can't believe I ate that whole thing. He obviously didn't stop and pause. And this applies to all aspects of life. So if you're starting a business and you're thinking about a website, you might pause and take a look at Squarespace. I did. And that's why CalFussman.com is powered by Squarespace. The photos leap off the page. The copy is crisp and clean. And I'm constantly inspired to change it up and get the most out of it. If you're thinking about seeing yourself in a whole new way, go to squarespace.com, type in the offer code FUSSMAN, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, and get 10% off your next domain name and website. You just might feel as good as I did after I lost 20 pounds. And you know what? Same goes for my other sponsor, ZipRecruiter. If you need to hire and can't seem to find the right talent, pause for a second to consider the power of ZipRecruiter's algorithms. All you got to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com, enter the job description, and with a single click, qualified candidates will be on their way straight to you. Not many people know this, but there are times when employers type in the job description before lunch, and when they return after lunch, the candidates are already waiting for them. You will definitely have qualified candidates within 24 hours, and not only that, you'll get a free trial if you go to ZipRecruiter.com backslash Fussman. Give it a try. You'll be glad you did. ZipRecruiter. Yeah, a lot of that is in our backpack. I mean, a lot of that really, and that that ties into sort of, you know, the backpack ties into the story you tell yourself, right? So like, I have to finish the plate. Like that's that that's the that's the respectful thing to do. I can't tell the server no more crunchy noodle chips because I don't want to be disrespectful. You know, like there's a story that we tell ourselves and a lot of that absolutely comes from family. Absolutely. And it's, you know, again, I'm big on not vilifying things. Like that's, there's nothing. Don't vilify the grandma. Yeah, no, 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 no. The grandma just wanted you to be happy, right? right? Um, But we can, 
we can learn how to write a new story for ourselves. We can learn how to have a different relationship with food. Well, what's the new story? I mean, how do I, well, right now there is no, the, the new story is Joe's story. Joe has basically said, Cal, I need you to eat like this so you can just experience what I'm talking about. And right. I, so I'm, I'm doing that out of respect to him. Okay. Because he's taken people who weigh 600 pounds and he's taken hundreds of pounds off them. Right. Right. So I, I got to respect them. Right. And I'm not obese, but my problem is I am probably maybe 20, 20 to 30 pounds overweight. Okay. If many people look at me and don't realize it. Sure. And that could be a problem because I look okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not thinking that I have a serious problem here. It's when you see somebody who's really obese that everybody can say, well, you better do something. Yeah. Nobody's going to come up and say to me, you, you really better watch what you eat, Cal. Sure, sure. But I know I better watch what I eat. Mm-hmm. So what is a way that I can incorporate this balance? Should I be thinking in advance of what is going to be served and how I'm going to deal with it? You could. I mean, you could sort of gear up for that if you feel like it could be helpful. I think the other thing that I think of is, you know, all boundaries and mindful mindfulness or paying attention. I would want you to bring those into your life, but not just, not just on the plate. You know, how else would the people in my life, Joe, perhaps, how do I need to set boundaries, you know? Um, and how do I need to pay attention to how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and how I'm engaging in the world? I mean, these are things that I think we all could benefit from doing more regularly. And the more regularly you do that, the more your brain is going to be trained to do that when stuff shows up on your plate, when the crunchy noodles are in front of you. It's very interesting because my youngest daughter has a boyfriend. She's 16 now, and uh, we call him Chef Eric because okay. he's going to be a chef. So when this guy comes to the house, he's a really good cook. Yeah. And he makes breakfast on Sunday morning. Great. I mean, you're just sitting down there and the French toast is piled up and the sausage and the bacon. It's great presentations. like the guys have walked in restaurant. Right. And I'm looking at the food he's putting out and I'm saying, like, my God, I, I really could have a problem if he's cooking for me every day. Okay. So what... I decided to do it, and he's going off to the Culinary Institute of America to study. He just graduated from high school to just give him the vantage point of people who cook in this plant and vegetable area so that he can cook for me while I'm preparing for these obstacle races. Sure. And that way I wouldn't have to push away his food. And who I don't know how he'd feel about that because he's doing it to please me. Sure. So I'm I keep I'm really starting to look for ways to keep people engaged and pleased and get the best out of the food. That sounds great. Is there are there other ways that I can be thinking on these terms and it's a very proactive thing which right. I, which I'm not a proactive person. <laughs> I'm like a spontaneous person. So it's a whole new way for me to think. Right. Is, is that something you find with a lot of the people you talk with? Yes and no. 
I mean, I think everybody's different. I mean, I think- What are the biggest problems that people face with food? Well, I think the biggest problems people face with food is that they have a fractured sense of self to start with. And that plays out in their relationship with food. Do I have a fractured sense of self? I don't think you have a fractured sense of self. I also don't think that you have a problem with food. You don't? I don't. I don't think that enjoying- You should see me pass the ice cream place. (laughs) You might have a very different opinion. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't, but see, that's where I think too, we get so caught up on this idea of perfection. You know, when you get so caught up on like, I should never have the ice cream. There we go back to the all or nothing thinking. Like enjoy a scoop or two. Maybe not every day, maybe not at every meal, but why not a scoop or two? The ice cream did nothing. And a scoop or two every now and then is not going to kill you, right? Ice cream every day after every meal, like that's not so great, right? But so no, I mean, I think, but I do think the biggest thing that I see in my work is that one's unhealthy relationship with food is seated in their unhealthy relationship with themselves. That they're, that at the core, they don't care enough about themselves to actually nourish themselves appropriately. And that goes on both ends of the spectrum. People who put, people who put too much food into their body and it becomes unhealthy or people who don't put enough into their body and become healthy. Yeah, I can't even grasp that. Sure. Well, and, you know, people often ask me, like, well, you just, you must treat them so differently in your office and have much different treatment modalities for either end of the spectrum. And again, I would say that, you know, in some ways, maybe when we talk about like exposure to certain foods and things like that, but the seed is rooted in them not feeling like they are enough. So you're just treating the fracture. Mainly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I would say that in my office, if we're talking about my clinical time and my one-on-one time with my clients, maybe 10% of the time I'm actually talking about food. 90% of the time I'm talking about their relationship with themselves. And they're coming in because they have food issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most of them feel, you know, they feel like these sessions are going to be about the food and we're going to talk just like we did today about the ice cream and how I'm not going to eat the ice cream anymore. And They're coming in for you to give them a diet. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I'm giving them, hopefully, an opportunity for them to discover a new relationship with their self. Which brings me to the question, do diets work? No. No, the diet is a billion-dollar industry. Do you think if the diet industry worked, it would be a billion-dollar industry? <laughs> no, because people would go on a diet, they wouldn't need it anymore, and the, the billion-dollar industry would go under. It wouldn't be. It is a billion-dollar industry because it is born to fail. I mean, that is where they make money. They make money off of how it fails. It is, it is a thriving industry because it does not work. And people need to understand that, that it is thriving because it does not work, not because it works. I mean, logically, if you think about it, if it worked, nobody would ever use it again because people would pass on the secrets and, you know, but it's thriving because it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. So what is it that does work? Yeah. You're working on peop- people who have some a fractured self or or some internal problem. Right, right. And it doesn't have to be so fractured that we're talking about people, you know, who, who, i.e. look depressed. You know, like everybody sort of imagines like when they hear somebody has a fractured self that they, oh, that person like must not not have a job and no friends. I mean, what- No, it's like a bone fracture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, right. So no, I mean, I guess I would say that there's a few things that I think are key. 
Um, one is you have to feel like you are enough. I mean, you have to wake up in the morning and feel like you are enough as you are, that you are born with a contribution to make on this planet. And I think a lot of people really don't feel like that. They feel like they are just in the grind, working through the day. You know, they're just trying to get through. Well, I could understand if somebody was in that situation why they would want to eat a lot of ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you don't care about yourself, you're not going to treat your body well. Yeah. Yeah. I really care about myself and I eat the ice cream. Right, right, sure. So I would say that really the first part for me is often about identifying you know, ways to build up that sense of enoughness for somebody to know that they are enough to build up self-esteem, to build up confidence. And that takes time. I mean, you know, often people come into my office and they want a super quick fix. You know, they want in one month this to kind of be done and for them to be over. And we're talking years often. Um, Years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, because it takes the deep dive. You've talked about, you use that word and I love it. I mean, you really want, you really want to help these, I really want to help these people. I really want them to know that they matter um, and that they can care about things and that in order for them to show up in the way that they were meant to show up, they have to have a healthy relationship with themselves and they have to have a healthy relationship with their body. So if they don't have a healthy relationship with themselves, it's going to be, it's going to show up in the way they eat. Not necessarily the way they eat, but it's going to show up somewhere. Yeah. So it could be in the way that they eat. They could be addicted to something. Um, They could be addicted to a drug or alcohol or to gambling or to sex. Or they could be addicted to perfection and addicted to accomplishment and success. And that can be just as damaging as somebody that's addicted to alcohol. I mean, you can die if you are not taking care of your body and you are too stressed, right? We know that. We know that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at your face. And yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, I hear so, you. Um, so no, I mean, I think, you know, having that fractured sense of self doesn't necessarily always play out in one's relationship with food, um, but it'll show up somewhere at some time. You know, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's not until much later in life. You know, somebody has a failed marriage or ends up having a, you know, a career that totally tanks or they end up having to take a year off because they just can't contain it anymore. And all of that stuff comes from this deeper issue. So when something, some obstacle comes up in life, Mm -hmm. is that the time where we should be most mindful about what we're eating? Because that would be the time where I would immediately want to run to the ice cream place. Sure. I mean, I think it's, I think... I think all times actually are important times. And it's sometimes I actually think it's not when the big obstacle comes up. It's when you're at your it's when you're at your most balanced. Like what if you're at your most balanced, then if you're still craving the ice cream every single oh, night. Oh man, something's up. Right, then something's up, right? And I mean, think about it. Like the way if 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 you're working with somebody or know somebody who has panic attacks, for example, right? The way to get them to have the best technique to manage their panic attack is not in the middle of a panic attack. It's actually when they're at their most relaxed and you teach them how to be that way and be resilient to the panic attack. That makes sense. Right? So it's the same thing. 
It's the same thing with these other areas in our life, with food or with exercise or with our career, um, is, you know, where, if I feel I'm at my most balance right now, but I'm still struggling in this particular part, like, what do I need to pay attention to? And how do I get the skills right? How do I build up the skills right now to maybe have a few of those, you know, yummy crackers, noodles? That's what they were. Crackers. Chinese noodles. Yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah. noodles. Um, you, you, know what the, the, you know what the great thing about this therapy session is? Tell me. I think I'm going to go get an ice cream cone and feel <laughs> good about it. I am going to own the ice cream cone. But that's cone. okay. That's absolutely okay. Don't have the ice cream cone and then get a pint and another later and numb so out. So I just got to say, I'm going to have one scoop of ice cream. I'm going to be mindful about it. I'm going to enjoy it. We just completed this Spartan race this morning. We sure did. But, but that's another thing. This is something I was thinking about. Okay. I brought it up to you. And, and after I brought it up to you, I was pondering it last night. What I was trying to do was think of ways to flip the way I think uh-huh. to more healthy right. ways of living. Right. And so one, uh, the, the, the doctor who has influenced Joe's life, his name is Fred Bishi. Right. He's been eating raw fruits and vegetables for 50 years. Right. And... He'll be out at a Spartan race, at a beast, at a beast, like 15 miles. Yeah. He's like 88 years old. It's amazing. And you look at him, you talk to him, you cannot deny what's in front of you. What is in front of you. And what everything, he basically turned himself into a human guinea pig. Right. And he he told me, he said, Cal, look, if you go on all fruits and vegetables— for like a month and you don't cheat you follow it religiously and then you go have an ice cream i'm telling you you're not going to feel good i would actually bet that he's probably right i don't i don't think it's probably going to sit well in your tummy because he said that will you will be cleaned out yeah and your clean body does not want that it doesn't want that sugar right yeah, well, I think, too, it's about the body not being used to whatever it is that you're introducing it to. I mean, it would be like, you know, like think about today. If all I ran was a mile for a month and then I tried to do a Spartan race, my body afterwards is probably not going to feel great, <laughs> right? It's the same oh, idea. Oh, it's what you're accustomed to. Yeah, I, I it's sort yeah, of like— So you ran about, what, five miles today and went through all these obstacles. Right. But you're accustomed to running. I'm accustomed to running. And so your legs got you there, but you weren't accustomed to lifting jugs. No. Climbing on ropes. No. Going through rings. Right. And yeah. so you're- My the, upper body right. was not super excited about it. Okay. Yeah. And when I stopped the race, my upper body was like, I would really like to go home now and take a nice hot bath. <laughs> And my legs were like, let's keep going. We can totally keep going. Okay. So, so we just really were creatures of habit. Yeah. I mean, and I think when it comes to the body, I mean, I think Dr. Bishi has, you know, certainly done his own research and what's worked for him is fantastic and amazing. Um, and I think probably just even the science behind, you know, if you had an ice cream after not having an ice cream and only having fruits and vegetables for a month, it's not going to feel good because your body's like, whoa. What is ha- what's happening? You're putting me through a Spartan race, and I've been taking a bath for like a month. Yeah, I, I, what I was trying to one, what I was wondering about was, could 
could I rearrange the patterns? Because you're telling me to be proactive right. and think about when you walk into that Chinese restaurant, they're going to put down the news, they're going to put down the duck sauce. What are you going to do? Yeah. Now, this is completely new to me because to me, eating is all about the spontaneity and just not knowing what you might have. Sure. Now you're asking me to really think. Pay attention. About what's going to happen before I even walk into there. Yeah, and not overthink it. You know, I don't want you planning at 6 okay. a.m. But if I, when I start planning, then I start going to an extreme and thinking, okay, Dr. Peachy also says, you know, Cal, now you've gone like 30 days on just fruits and vegetables. And uh -huh. he said, you're going to notice something. He said, do you notice how good you feel when you wake up? Uh -huh. And he's right. Yeah. I get at, I shoot out of bed. I don't feel like there's weight on my belly. Okay. And so I know he's dead right that if I don't eat a late dinner, that I'm going to feel better when I get up in the morning. Okay. All right. That And he's, I've done it, all the check, check marks on the checklist. And then he said, well, as long as you're doing that, extend it. Don't. Don't have a late dinner, and then don't have breakfast. And maybe you fast a day. Hmm. See how that's going to make you feel. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know what? I know it's going to make me feel better. Okay. So then I started thinking, okay, when I give a speech and it goes really well, when I do an interview and it goes really well, I like to go out and have an ice cream or a, a great meal. Mm -hmm. I do this, I've done this every time for the last 30 years. Right. What if I recondition my brain to think, you know, Cal, you cannot fast unless you give a great speech. Only after you give a great speech will you have rewarded yourself to a point where you can fast. So you'll feel that good the next morning. I'm wondering, what if I wired my mind that way? But I'm looking at your face and you're saying, Cal, Go eat the ice cream. I know. My face looks sad, it right? Does, it looks really sad. Yeah, it looks and totally dumb. I am definitely. <laughs> this is why you are my therapist. I am going to get some ice cream, and I encourage everybody out there to go one scoop only. One and if scoop you only. had a scoop early today, you don't get to do it again. Yeah. Well, and here's what I want to say about that, too, because I, I do think it's really important. I think, you know, what's going to work for one person may not work for the other person, Good right? Um, but I also want to say that I think that there are ways, you know, you said you go out and you celebrate with a really good meal. That's right. I I know up to this point, having talked to you a little bit, that you have found some fantastic meals with this raw food diet that you've been doing, right? Exactly. Or I'm, an, I'm not going to call it a diet. I'm actually going to call it a lifestyle because for some people it absolutely is. So for me... When I hear you say that, I think, well, then why not combine the two? Why not go out to like a banging dinner, but at your favorite place where you can get something that fits in with the intention behind what you're doing? So you're, it's, it's like you're getting sort of the both. Now, you may not be getting the ice cream. And if you want the ice cream, then get the ice cream. But if you want, also want to be in alignment with this journey that you've been on and keep on that road, then how do you still go out and celebrate with something that still tastes delicious and is wonderful and can create that celebratory experience for you, but just be a new version of it? 
it's, again, a little bit of a rewriting a new story. It's about trying that new version. And you might initially have that like, yeah, but nothing's going to take like taste like that Delmonico steak. Well, maybe not, right? But you could find something that might even taste better if you open your mind and become available to it. The journey has just begun. That awesome. is why you are my therapist. Happy to be. I am. I will keep in touch and let you know where this takes me. But that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do two things. I am going to start bicycling. Okay. Because after talking to you, I realized that when I was a kid, I loved to be on my bicycle. It right. was just... It meant being with my friends. It meant going to see something new. And I don't know why, but I stopped. I, I was riding around on one of these stingrays. I don't know if you remember. They had the high seat and the big handlebars. Oh, yeah. It, it was like, it was a cool thing. Very cool. And then all of a sudden, it, it, I guess it wasn't, it, a car was cool. And that was mm. it. But you know what? I am going to go back to bicycling, and I am going to go on a journey looking for these places that are serving meals that are really healthy in a way that I hope can recreate the same sense of connection, passion, and love that I felt going into all the restaurants I've been in the past. So I would say this therapy is a 100% success. <laughs> I'm glad to spread it on with everybody. And in the outro, I'm going to give everybody your contact information. So if they need your help, you're going to need a big couch. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'll extend it out. That's all I can say because there's a lot of people out there who can use you. Awesome. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you. The journey has just begun and the best is yet to come. Can't wait. All right. Take care. want to say thank you, as always, to Tim Ferriss for nudging me to start this podcast. One of the best decisions I ever made. want to say thank you to ZipRecruiter and Squarespace for providing such great services and bringing this podcast to you. And thank you to Joe DeSena and Spartan. I haven't felt this good in years. And now that Dr. Pence said I can go get a little ice cream... I'm feeling even better. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Lara. And hey, if you need a food therapist or know somebody who does, I encourage you to go to drlarapence.com and explore. That's D-R-L-A-R-A-P-E-N-C-E dot com. She may be just what you're looking for to change your life. Like I always say, change your questions, change your life. Subscribe to Big Questions, and I'll see you next week. Cheers.